as I read keep that ever before your mind shout joyfully to the Lord all the earth serve the Lord with gladness come before him with joyful singing know that the Lord himself is God it is he who has made us and not we ourselves we are his people and the sheep of his path enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise give thanks to him bless his name for the Lord is good his loving kindness is everlasting and his faithfulness to all generations and that is God's word let's pray Heavenly Father we're thankful today for your love for us we know that one of the ways you've shown your love is not just giving your son but giving us your word the living word in Christ and the written word in scripture we pray this morning as we study the written we would see the living as we study your word we would see Christ we thank you for this song we thank you for all the songs we thank you for this one pray that you would use it as we study it together draw our hearts closer to yourself help us in our walk with Christ each day we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, if we were going to rank the Psalms according to their familiarity, I'm sure that the 23rd Psalm would be first. But I believe that the 100th Psalm would not be too far behind. I would imagine that most of us who grew up in the church at some point in our experience in Sunday school or in Bible school or in a youth group had to memorize Psalm 100. And even those who didn't grow up in the church probably have heard it used, read, incorporated in some service or ceremony along the way. It is a psalm of thanksgiving. As I put in my title, it's a psalm of joy and praise to God. You know, God expects us to be thankful for the blessings that He bestows upon us. Something that troubles me about our nation is that we become such an ungrateful group of people. Our society as a whole tends to expect things to be given to us, to have a sense of entitlement, and to think that somehow all these blessings are ours by right. And that mentality seeps into the church sometimes. To be honest, it seeps even into the clergy at times. But we must not fall prey to them. Two of the characteristics God expects from His people are humility and gratitude. The truth is that a lack of gratitude is more a characteristic of the unbeliever than it is the believer. You know, in, in Romans 1, Paul talks about how a lack of gratitude is one of the basic sins for which unbelievers will be held accountable. More than that, it's a sin that makes God angry. If you look with me just briefly at Romans chapter 1. <clears throat> Romans 1 and verse 18 says this, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. And if you drop down to verse 21, it says, 
For even though they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks. There's one constant theme that runs throughout the Bible is that God's people are to be a thankful people. We're to be thankful for who He is and for what He does. God wants us to have gratitude for all the blessings He gives. And not just to to have gratitude, but He wants us to express that gratitude. I'm sure we've all had the experience of having done something for someone, giving something to someone, and you wondered if they ever got it or they appreciated it because you never heard one word from them. No thank you, no acknowledgement. That's the way we've got many times. We just take what he gives. There's no acknowledgement, no expression of thanks. No praise to him for his goodness to us, generosity, his blessings upon us. God wants us to be thankful for what he has done for us. Now, this psalm is about that. It's about thanksgiving, giving thanks to God for who he is and what he's done. Now, there are seven things, seven admonitions in this psalm, seven things we're told to do. And there are six reasons given in this psalm as to why we should do them. I'm not very good at math, but I think that's 13 points for today. Hope you brought your lunch. We'll be here a while today. That's a lot for five verses, isn't it? But maybe that's one of the reasons this psalm means so much. So, because it's so rich and it's so full. First, there are seven things the psalmist exhorts us to do. I promise to be brief on each one of them. What are they? For one, he calls on us to be to shout joyfully to the Lord, or as the more familiar King James Version says, to make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Verse 1 says, shout joyfully to the Lord, all the earth, all the earth, all the earth is called on to praise God. He has a recurring theme in the Psalms. If you go back to Psalm 66, you looked at several Sundays ago, which was also a psalm of praise to God. It began this way in verses 1 and 2. Shout joyfully to the Lord, all the earth, sing the glory of His name, make His praise glorious. All that God has made is to give Him praise. And to declare his glory. So if all the earth is called on to do that, certainly those of us who are God's people are to do that. Now the the focus here is not so much on the shouting as it is on the joy. On being joyful in the Lord and expressing that joy to the Lord. This joy is to be expressed to him. That's what the text says. Shout joyfully to the Lord, all the earth. That first verse really reflects the kind of joy that we are to have as God's people. A second thing that uh, this psalm exhorts us to do in verse 2 is to serve the Lord 
with gladness. Serve the Lord and serve him with gladness. Now, we preachers are big on stressing service. That's, you know, how we get things done in the church. This is a volunteer organization. Very few of us around here get paid for what we do in the church. And therefore, the way we get things accomplished is to encourage people and motivate people to volunteer for various areas of service. Serving the Lord is an important part of being a Christian and being a member of the church. Now, there are a couple of things you need to remember about service. When the, when the text says to serve the Lord with gladness, the most important thing is to do exactly what the Bible says. Remember what the text says. Our service is to the Lord. There are many people who get burned out in church who do and do and do and then finally just kind of wear out and just don't want any part of it anymore who find it very hard to get motivated to do more in the life and the work of the church and one of the reasons that happens is because people forget who it is they're serving look folks you're not serving you're not serving the organization you're not serving the elders or the deacons. You're not serving the women in the church. You're not serving just to keep an institution running. But you're serving the Lord. What the text says, serve the Lord. And the other thing you must remember is that you're to do so with gladness. Not grudgingly. Not reluctantly. But to serve the Lord with gladness. And the only way to do that is to realize that your service really is unto him. And you're not doing it to earn his favor, but you're doing it because you've received his favor. You're not doing it in hopes that he will love you, because you know that he does love you. It's not based on merit, but it's based on grace. Folks, that's the way you can serve the Lord with gladness, and not with reluctance. The way that your service to him can be perpetual and not temporary. The way your service can be something you anticipate and not something you dread. Third thing he says that we're to do here in this text is to come before the Lord with joyful singing. End of verse 2. Reminds us very closely of what he just said in verse 1 of shouting joyfully to the Lord or making this joyful noise. And here it's not joyful shouting is joyful singing I know there's some of you who think that when you sing or try to sing it's more like making a noise than a melody but that doesn't matter the important part is making this whatever noise it is a joyful a joyful song to the Lord you know, singing is an important part of our worship. It's the way that we express our feelings about God. I, I call the music of the church, whether it's the choir singing, which they do so well in our worship, or whether it's congregational singing, it's the emotive part of our worship. It's, it's the part that's really got some feeling to it, where we express our feelings to God and 
the way that we sing. And you can tell by the way that you sing whether it means something to you or not. We're to sing, it says, joyfully. We're to come before him with joyful singing. But but singing is not just a part of corporate worship. Many people enjoy using music in their private worship, in their own personal devotion times. And there's a sense in which we should all live with a with a joyful song in our hearts and on our lips. Paul says that we're to speak to one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing with melody, making our hearts lifted toward the Lord in praise. There's another exhortation, a fourth, and it's in verse 3. And we are to know that the Lord himself is God. It says, know that the Lord himself is God. Well, here we go again. Last week I mentioned a broken record. Broken again today. It's because the Bible continually focuses on this most important thing. Your view of God matters. And here it is again. The exhortation is that you are to know the Lord. He is God. He is God. He is the sovereign God. If you don't see that, that He is the sovereign God, that He has the whole world, including your life, in His hands, that He watches over, cares for, provides for all that He has made. If you don't see that He knows the the beginning from the end, the end from the beginning, then life is going to be a struggle. The text is clear. We are to know that the Lord Himself is God. Your view of God, again, matters. And it matters a lot. There's another exhortation in verse 4. And it says this, that we're to enter His gates with thanksgiving in his courts with praise. There are two key words there. One is his gates. The other is his courts. Because of the parallelism in the Hebrew, we believe they, we believe they refer to the same thing. Uh, entering his courts is the same as entering his gates. And what does that mean? Well, it's the gates to the temple. The courts of the temple. It, it's a part of our worship. And again, our praise. To God, we are to enter both of them with thanksgiving and praise. Whether it be your own personal prayer life, whether it be your public worship, private worship, family worship, whatever it is, when you enter the Lord's presence, you're to do so again with a heart of thanksgiving and with a heart of praise. Still another exhortation. Is the in verse four is to give thanks to him. Find a little repetition here. See why this psalm is called a psalm of thanksgiving, whether it is a call to joy or gladness or singing, thanksgiving or praise. Here it is again, simply to give thanks. What does that show? It shows that our relationship with God is to be something that is uplifting, encouraging, a source of great blessing. You might wonder how that can be. 
How can you have a, a, a this sense of joy in your life, this sense of gladness? Especially when things in your life perhaps aren't going the way that you had hoped they would go when you face difficulty or, or problems or hardships. You know, we all face them, don't we? Many times it seems like every day brings another problem, another difficulty, another struggle. Every time we send in our prayer list, there's another name, another need, another circumstance, another situation. And people wonder, even believers wonder, how can I be thankful in this? How can I be glad in this? It doesn't matter what your problem You see, the Lord Jesus Christ has solved your greatest problem. Our greatest problem is our problem with sin. The fact that we have dishonored and disobeyed a holy God. That's our greatest problem. And God in His grace has dealt with that problem. He has sent His Son to take your sin, my sin, upon Himself. We might be forgiven, redeemed, we might have given new life. And once you know that problem, that biggest problem has been solved, it help you deal with the other problems of life with a sense of gratitude and joy that God has dealt with the major issue in your life. What does the psalm say? Verse Again, in verse 4, it says, Give thanks to Him. The Bible continually tells us to give thanks. In, in Philippians 4, Paul says, Even in our prayers, in everything by prayer and supplication, he says, With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. In Ephesians 5, Paul says, Always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. In Colossians 3, Paul says, Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God through Him. One of the signs that we are God's people, again, is we are thankful people. One final exhortation into verse 4, and that is we are to bless His name. Bless His name. Normally when we think of blessings, we think of God blessing us, don't we? You know, the old, old hymn says, Count your many blessings, name them one by one, count your many blessings, see what God has done. And as your pastor, I encourage you to do that many times. Count your blessings. See what God has done for you. But there's a, another side of blessing. Not only is, is, is a blessing something God gives to us, but a blessing is something we give to God. Often, the Bible calls on us to bless God. What does that mean? This, this word in the Hebrew, to bless, literally means to kneel. We bless God by worshiping, by adoring, by praising, by acknowledging, by bowing the knee to Him, by giving Him the the glory for all of our lives and what He has done for us. So we are to bless God, to bless His name. Why does it say to bless the Lord's name? 
It's because God's name is a reflection of who he is. You know, the, the Jews had such a high view of, of, of the name of God, they wouldn't even write it. Jesus had a high view of the name of God, too. Because, you know, when he told the disciples how to pray, he said, you pray like this. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Reflection of the third commandment, isn't it? Which says, do not take the name of the Lord in vain. And here, the psalm tells us we're to bless the Lord's name. What a, what a list of exhortations. Seven of them. Shout joyfully to the Lord. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before Him with joyful singing. Know that He is Lord. Enter His gates with thanksgiving and His courts with praise. Give thanks to Him and bless His name. Well, the other parts of the psalm tell us why we are to do that. Give us the reasons. I told you there are six reasons, but they can really be summarized into one. And it is all about the Lord and who He is. The constant, repeated focus in each of these seven exhortations, I hope you've noticed, is it's all about God. These seven exhortations in Psalm 100 always all have something to do with Him. You know, when you realize that your spiritual life really it is all about him and not about you. It changes the way you do business with God. And I can't say that enough. You know, if you are uh, into spiritual things, for what you can get out of it, you'll never be satisfied. If you're in the church to see how it can make you feel or what it can do for you, then you'll never find what you're looking for. You'll always be looking for something more, something different, something additional. But when your focus is upon Him, this is about Him. And what I derive are the trickle-down effects of my relationship with Him, of my giving glory and praise and honor to Him. If I seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, guess what? He makes sure I have all these other things that I need. But if I seek first the things that I need, I end up totally frustrated in my life. If this psalm tells us anything, is that it really is all about God. Look at verse 3. Why are we to have these attitudes of thanksgiving, joy, and gladness? Middle of verse 3, it is He who has made us, and not we ourselves. That is, we ourselves. We've been reading through Genesis chapter 1 through 3, the creation story. God has created us. He has made us. Also, verse 3, we are His people. We belong to Him. And as Christians, we belong to Him not just by creation, but by recreation. Not just by His molding us after His image, but remaking us in the image of Christ. We are the sheep of his pasture. Reminds us of Psalm 23. Doesn't it? The Lord is my shepherd. 
I shall not. He watches over us. He cares for us. He provides for us. Verse 5. Other reasons. Because the Lord is good. All the Lord does is good. His loving kindness, it says, is everlasting. Think about that. God's love. Gary's been teaching on, on the love of God in from 1 John 4. The love of God is everlasting. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. That's what Romans 8 tells us. The last one, into verse 5, is faithfulness. It's to all generations, He will never forsake you. He will never fail you. You see, it really is all about Him. What reasons does the psalm give us for being such thankful people? It is the character of God. He owns us. He made us. He cares for us. He provides for us. He's good to us. He loves us. He's faithful to us. It was so important. Look at life through the grid of the character of God. Keep in mind the big picture. Life doesn't center around you and me. Life centers around Him. Your focus really is not to be on yourself. Your focus is to be on Him. Maybe your life is a bit out of kilter. And if it is, maybe the reason is because you've lost this kind of biblical perspective. You know, it really is so easy to do. I, I fall into the trap so often myself. It, it's so easy to focus upon ourselves and not on the Lord. The tendency is really to get kind of a spiritual tunnel vision. To be so focused on ourselves and our needs and our situation and our circumstance that we forget to look at the big picture and to realize, look, God is doing a mighty work. My life and your life and lives of people all around the world. And even though I may struggle today with what I need to do or what I'm facing, I still would be thankful to Him for who He is and what He's done for me. You know, what we need, again, is to have more of the attitude of Jesus who said, I didn't come to do my own will. I came, I came to do the will of Him who said, can you imagine that? Jesus said that. And if Jesus had that kind of focus, certainly you and I should have it. I came not to do what I want. I, I, I'm here to do what God wants me to do. Again, Jesus said to His disciples, or said to His Heavenly Father, I glorified you on the earth. I glorified you on Everything we're to do is to be for His glory. Jesus also said, I have made your name known to them. You see, Jesus made a conscious effort of turning things away from Himself and onto His heart. Of giving Him the glory, giving Him the praise. And certainly if He did that, you and I as people, Hard to do that too. What a great song. Shout joyfully to the Lord all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful Know that he is God. 
He's made us, and not we ourselves. We're his people, the sheep of his pasture. So enter his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good. His loving kindness is ever. And his faithfulness to all generations. Lord God, thank you so much for your word. We thank you for this great song. It tells us we are your people and we're to be thankful people. People full of gratitude and joy for who you are and what you've done for us. Forgive us when we fail, but encourage us to even greater things. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen.